It's time now for the complete story, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here's the BRN father and son team, Dick and Rich Bot, with today's complete story. Well, you know, here we go, Rich. This is going to be one of those days when we're going to want to pack a lot into this program. There's a lot to talk about today. Ever since I was young, and uh, and we were, I was raised in a Christian family. My word. Now, let me just say this once again. I was born in 1933, so uh, over the many, many years, I, I, I suppose I've always been pro-life. I've always been pro-life, but what does that mean if you don't really get into it and come to come to conclusions? You know, people race in the South. They race in North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, so on and so forth. They started taking things for granted that they shouldn't have because the Bible is the Bible. Truth is truth. I'm talking about the culture, of not just the Jim Crow stuff, but the culture of slavery, and so on and so forth. You can take that all for granted. Well, folks, now I want to tell you that's the way it was, I think, with, with, uh, with the subject of abortion in 1973. Why they made cases for this and cases for that, and they explained all these things away, so on and so forth. I didn't take it as seriously as I clearly should have. And maybe you, even today, are one of these people. Now, here was an open-heart surgery on a little baby still in the womb. Listen his, carefully. His name is Juan. They call him Baby Juan. All and this right. took place at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. The reporter sometimes refers to Chop. All right. Well, and that's let me what set this up again about. then, Rich, because folks, listen to me now. This little baby was still in the womb. Was it a baby or wasn't it? Here it is. Another historic surgery from the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. It's a CBS 3 Health Watch exclusive, a risky and delicate heart operation on a fetus. The health reporter Stephanie Saul is here with more on this amazing story mm. and how this all just transpired. Uh, yeah. Chop has done it again. Mm. You know, they have become world renowned for its fetal heart surgery, operating on a fetus still inside the mother's womb. This time, doctors operated on a tiny fetal heart. And after some risky setbacks, we were there as the family from South America said goodbye to the team that saved their baby. You're going home. Yes. Excited. Baby Juan and his parents are headed back to Uruguay, where the infant is a celebrity. We received messages and phone calls from people we don't know. Since October, the family has been camped out at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, where doctors saved Juan's life with an intervention that's largely unheard of in many places. It was a hard time, a crazy time, but we are extremely happy about how everything. Sold. When Cecilia was five months pregnant, a routine ultrasound showed a mass on the baby's heart. Their doctor in Uruguay sent the images to his friend, uh, Dr. Jack Rychek at CHOP. The minute I saw this, I recognized that there was a giant tumor sitting on the heart. It was a rare pericardial teratoma. The only hope was fetal surgery, operating on the baby's heart inside the womb. We never heard this before. I started laughing. Like, what? <laughs> they do that? They raced to Philadelphia. CHOP is the only place where the risky fetal heart operation had been done successfully, and just once before. We're operating on two patients here with a single intent. Our goal is to resect the tumor, but we also have the mother, and we have the baby. Juan is now the second baby to survive the fetal surgery that happened when his mom was 21 weeks pregnant. His heart at the time of the surgery is essentially the size of a peanut. 
the size of the tumor was about three times the size of the heart. Had we waited an additional day, we probably would have been too late. After the fetal surgery, the pregnancy continued as the family waited in Philadelphia. At 31 weeks, Juan was born December 11th, but the tumor had grown back, so there was a second heart surgery. There were a lot of chances that the baby was going to die. But he survived with a big scar on his chest. Juan is now three months old and healthy. However, his prognosis is unknown. There are no other human beings alive today who have had fetal surgery for this removal of this type of a tumor that are 30, 40, 50, 60 years old that we could then say what the prognosis is going to be. But for Cecilia and Pablo, at least their son has a chance after the fetal surgery that still has their heads spinning. Unbelievable. I mean, I look at him and I can't believe what they did here. Isn't he adorable? Now, the family is now back in South America where Juan continues to thrive. That heart tumor that is very rare was benign. It's not known what causes it, but it is usually a deadly condition. So they are so grateful to have been here. The first baby, by the way, operated for that condition at CHOP mm -hmm. is four years old now. Wow. And you'll continue to follow uh, this? Of course, oh, baby yeah. Juan. Absolutely. He's adorable. Yeah, have to. Isn't he? Thanks Stephanie, so much, thank huh? you so much. <laughs> you see, Rich, uh, they said we don't know what the, pro what the future future is going to be. We don't know what the future is going to be, but then they reported at the end of that the baby is then four years old. They gave that baby the best hope for life. And, and you know, Dad, I was thinking that's the same kind of situation where George Tiller, the late-term abortionist, would inject a feticidal agent into the heart to kill the heart, and here they're saving the baby's life by operating on the heart. In Wichita, Kansas is yeah. where George Tiller—listen, folks. In Wichita, Kansas is where George Tiller had his abortion clinic right there in town where all the traffic is going by. No one— Catch what I'm about to say, folks. No one seemed to care. Yeah, and it's about caring because it's not about the location of the baby. It's not about the age of the baby. It's about whether we care. That's right. You see, it's not even about the outcome, folks. Listen to me. Babies die, but do we care? And do we do our best to protect the most innocent? Now, here is something that I think our, in, our listeners will find interesting, I sure did, about the smallest surviving baby to date. She's uh, a miracle, that's for sure. She's only five months old, but this baby is already breaking records. Sabi is believed to be the world's smallest surviving baby. She was born at just 23 weeks and three days, weighing 8.6 ounces. That's just over half a pound. While her family is rejoicing now, Sabi's mother says getting to this point wasn't easy. The scariest day of my life. I just felt very uncomfortable, um, and I thought maybe this is part of the pregnancy. They told me that I had um, preeclampsia. Uh, my blood pressure was very, very high, over 200, and they had to deliver her really quick. And I kept telling them that she's not going to survive. She's only, I'm only 23 weeks. Since babies are typically born at 40 weeks, the staff at Sharp Mary Birch Hospital in San Diego wasn't very optimistic the child would survive. They told my husband that he had about an hour with her and that she was going to pass away. But that hour turned into two hours, which turned into a day, which turned into a week. Sabi was defying everyone's expectations as she grew bigger and stronger every day. Nurses at the hospital say they can't take credit for her progress. 
So we do everything we know how to do as well as we can, and um, after that it's really up to our babies. Um, so some really have the strength to, to go through what they have to go through and grow outside the womb. But Sabie's parents say the staff helped them get through this extremely difficult time with compassion and encouragement. We had so many nurses, but her primary nurses were just, they became friends. I, I don't want to cry. signs they made it you know I would come in and then it's like happy birthday mom it's just <sighs> I'm so grateful for them when it was time for baby Sadie to go home the staff sent her off in grand style graduating her from the NICU as they all beamed with pride and wished her well I'm just really proud of them and the baby and to see See, I told you. <laughs> um, just like see them transform as parents and see this little baby go home that usually is like completely against all odds. I just wanted her to know how strong she is and how, I mean, if she can start off where she was and do as well as she can be, there's nothing she can't do. Yeah, you know, Rich, in the 57 years since Bot Radio Network started, my burden to serve the Lord was to serve his people and to help people who know the Lord wake up and apply his word in their daily lives as well as in the community and stand for something. I don't know, for heaven's sake, how a preacher can it can ignore this subject. I didn't know in 1992 when George Tiller was ravaging through Kansas at that time how the preachers could stand up, I mean not stand up, and take a stand on that issue. And I feel even more strongly today. Well, we want to be a doer of the word and not just a hearer only. I think we ought to hear from one of our listeners now. Uh, here is a lady. Here's a lady who says she's thankful for BRN. Let's listen. We're so thankful for Bot Radio Network. It's definitely the rock that we all need during these days. Just so very thankful that Mr. Bot and his wife were willing to make the sacrifice years ago to start Bot Radio and to continue it and to grow and to bring all the many, many great pastors to wherever we are. God bless you. Thank you. Well, dear lady, let me tell you, it's not a sacrifice when you're doing what you love. It's not a sacrifice when you're doing what you feel called to do and what you love to do. And when I hear from our listeners uh, that they are responding and they understand what it's all about, that really makes us happy. It sure does. And uh, we want to give our listener comment line number 1-800-345-2621. 1-800-345-2621. All right. Now, listen, folks. You remember there was the movie... Uh, unplanned, wasn't it? Wasn't that the Abby Johnson? Right. Is unplanned. And the movie industry, I'm telling you, and the politicians, everybody tried to shut that movie down because it was Abby Johnson's own story. How she, you know, was drawn into working for Planned Parenthood. It was a good job. It was a, a way to help her own children, her household income, and all that sort of thing. And she just really became a winner. 
in, uh, in producing more money for Planned Parenthood. Was that in Texas, I think, wasn't it? And anyway, when they made a movie of the Abby Johnson story, every force of evil came against that movie. Please don't let the people see this movie. And they worked on the theater chains, and they tried to do everything they could. The media certainly didn't help it any. That's for sure. Listen to this, folks. The day that I witnessed the ultrasound-guided abortion, I didn't know that it was going to be a significant day. It seemed like a pretty normal abortion day for us. We had a visiting abortionist come in that day. We were trying him out to see if we wanted to put him on our permanent uh, rotation of physicians. He owns a private practice, him and his wife um, work at that private practice. And he had told me a couple weeks before when I was talking to him that he did a different type of abortion procedure. And it was a type where he used ultrasound guidance. And it was something I had never seen before. Um, I was actually pretty interested in what he was talking about because he had told me that it was the safest type of abortion procedure for the woman because you're actually able to visualize what is happening in the uterus. My job during the procedure was actually to hold the ultrasound probe on the woman's belly during the procedure and that way he would be able to see the ultrasound screen and to actually see the baby on the screen during the abortion. And I remember putting the probe on her belly and looking up at the screen and saw a perfectly formed uh, side profile from head to foot um, of a baby on the screen. They did uh, a crown rump measurement and found that the baby was 13 weeks. Um, I remember one of the first thoughts I had was remembering that that picture on the ultrasound looked just like the picture that we had of my daughter Grace when I was about 12 weeks pregnant with her and thinking that it looked very similar and I, I kind of got a pit in my stomach and I remember thinking, you know, I don't think this is going to be the great learning experience that I was hoping for. He then began the procedure and uh, I saw the cannula, which is uh, the actual straw-like instrument uh, that's hooked up to the suction. I saw that um, go into the woman's uh, uterus, which I thought was interesting. I'd never seen that before. And uh, the cannula actually began to uh, probe the side of the baby and nothing was happening. Women ask a lot of questions when they come in to have an abortion. And one of the questions that they ask probably most often is, will my baby feel this? And the scripted answer that Planned Parenthood gives to that question is, no, the fetus does not have any sensory development until 28 weeks. And so that was the scripted answer that I had given to hundreds and hundreds of women um, over and over again. And so that was the answer that I was replaying in my head over and over again as I was watching this. And as I was thinking about that answer, all of a sudden I, I saw the baby kind of jump. And uh, it, was if, it was as if the baby was moving away from the cannula. It didn't like what it was feeling on its side and it wanted to, to get away from it. And um, I, I couldn't believe what I was watching because I realized that all of that that I had been told was a lie and I couldn't help but think, what else? was a lie. You know, what else was I believing that, that wasn't true? 
And I just, I watched in horror, you know, I didn't, it was like I didn't want to look at it, but I couldn't stop looking at it. And the, the woman on the table was, was very, you know, she was upset, she was in pain, I wanted to comfort her, but I couldn't, I couldn't stop looking at what was happening on the screen. And uh, the physician asked for the technician to turn on the suction machine, and um, she did. And, you know, with every twist of that cannula, I could see, you know, the baby's body twisting and, and turning. And I just, I, you know, I couldn't believe what I was watching. And, and then within just a few moments, the screen was black and it was over. And I just thought, gosh, you know, that's it. I mean, that, that's choice. That's what I've been fighting for, for eight years, you know? And I, I couldn't help but think of, of all of those women that I had lied to, not intentionally. I mean, I didn't mean to lie to them when they asked me, will my baby feel this? But I, I just thought, what if they had known the truth? You know, what if I had known the truth? I mean, if those women had known the truth, would it have made a difference? Because it mattered to them. You know, they asked for a reason, and I had just flat out lied to them. And I, I just couldn't, couldn't help but think, what if they had known the truth? What if so many other people in our society actually knew the truth about abortion and what choice is actually doing to these children in the womb? Yeah, you see, now that's Abby Johnson's own voice, and she became the manager of the most profitable abortion clinic, I think, in the whole country at that time. It was in Texas. Until this moment, and this became pivotal in her this life, was where her she moment. saw what was really happening. Listen, folks, maybe you, maybe this program will be your pivotal moment. I want to, I want to take just a second and hear from Gina in Arkansas. This is Gina from Arkansas. I was flipping through my radio station one day in 2014 and I came across Bot Network and I heard it was called Fallen into the Arms of Grace and it was a young lady and she was telling a story and she caught my attention very easily with her voice and just what she was saying and it went along with my life at the time. I've not stopped listening to Bot Network since then. My faith was strong that day, but Bot Network has just helped me in so many different areas of my life as a late 30-year-old. I just want to thank you, and I appreciate you, and I love you, and I'll never stop listening to Bot Network. <laughs> oh, God bless you, Gina. We all need more of God's Word in our yeah. lives. That's what helps us grow. You know, Rich, um, the least of these is what Jesus talked about. The least of these children, little ones, those who couldn't fend for themselves. Now, here is a little 13-year-old girl. This little 13-year-old girl, folks, is having to speak truth to adults. And listen how the adults treat her when she absolutely tells the truth. Here it is. My name is Addison Woosley. I strongly believe that abortion is murder. I also believe murder is wrong. So I'm here to ask you to make abortion illegal in Raleigh. Abortion should be illegal because it's murder. The definition of murder is the killing of one human being by another without justification and often with attended malice. When mothers choose to slaughter their innocent babies, they already have fingerprints, noses, they can recognize their mom's voice, they can hiccup, and their heart is beating. There's no way around it. Abortion is murder. 
So why is it? If an infant is destroyed before birth, there's no problem. But if killed after birth, it's considered a brutal murder. Abortion reminds me of slavery. Owners said that their slaves were their property and they could do whatever they wanted with them. Or, Just or, tell moms say about their babies. My hope is that in a few years, we'll look back at abortion and think, that was so cruel, I can't believe we did that. Just how we all look back at slavery. The question is, who will you be? The slave owner, the man nailing the whites only side on the water fountain, Rosa Parks or Abraham Lincoln? Who are you going to be? Make a choice. Are you choosing to be like the plantation worker flogging the little black child? Or are you going to protest even if it costs your life like Martin Luther King Jr.? Who are you going to be? If you think abortion should, if you think abortion should be illegal, would you please stand up? We need to change the law to change the... Order, 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 order. If you think abortion should be illegal, would you please stand up? We need to change the law to change the world, so let's stand up and do it. Thank you. <laughs> I know. Now, Rich, I don't know. Do we know where that was? It was she a city. Said Raleigh. Oh, in Raleigh. Would that be Raleigh, North Carolina? That's what Raleigh, I'm assuming. Yes. I don't know where it was, but I know those adults in that meeting did not want to hear that message. And I'll tell you. Oh, and that goes on and on with the judge trying to reclaim what, order in that what, court. That's exactly right. Reclaim order because he doesn't want to hear it, and the rest of the adults don't want to hear it. Now, I'll tell you, if you're going to a pro-choice or so-called choice church where the choice is not for the benefit of the baby, the choice is for the benefit of, I don't know, the adults or somehow or something like that. I don't know. Isn't it doesn't make any that, sense to that me. It reminds me, the little children shall lead them. I mean, she that's, was speaking guess, common sense. She was speaking truth, and the adults didn't want to hear it. I guess that's what I guess that's what struck my heart. Now we have used this song by Phil Kagi, and I didn't realize this until just before we started doing this program. But our own producer was led to the Lord when he was twenty years old through the ministry of Phil Kagi. What a great musician. Um, he loves the Lord. He sings He sings the right thing. He sings truth. And anyway, we have used a little bit of this song many times, but I want our listening audience right now to listen to the words all the way through. All the way through. Every verse of this song is filled with truth. Here it is. Who will speak up for the little ones? Helpless and half abandoned They've got a right to choose life They don't want to lose I've got to speak up, won't you? Their precious lives are on the line well, How can we be rid of them? Passing laws, passing out Bills and new amendments Pay the cost and turn about And face the undefended Speak up for the little ones Helpless and half abandoned They've got a right to choose life They don't want to lose I've got 
to speak up, won't you? who will speak up for the little ones everybody wants to talk about their rights i have rights protect my rights what about the little ones give us a phone number 1-800-345-2621 we'd love to hear from you on our listener comment line 1-800-345-2621 all right this is dick bott with my son rich is another chapter of the complete story as a public service for you folks see you later 